You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you are into hunting, fishing, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. All right, today I'm going to fly solo with you, um, as I've been doing, uh, I guess, a bit more frequently uh, in the past six, seven months. Um, but there was a topic um, that I realize I'm a bit late to the game on. I wanted to do an episode on this last week. Uh, I just um, didn't. I just didn't get a chance to. Uh, essentially, is what it comes down to, and. So again, a few weeks um, late to the game or discussing this um, on the podcast, but the the ruling came down. I guess it's probably two weeks ago now on the corner casing corner crossing case. Jeez, oh, Pete's. <clears throat> I'm going to stumble over that one a few times this episode. Um, the ruling came down on on this trial on this case, um, and essentially was uh the the verdict was in favor of 
the hunters. And for those listening um, who have not heard about the corner crossings case um, in Wyoming, quick um, quick rundown, quick synopsis. Uh, essentially, uh, there was a couple different suits uh, or, or lawsuits filed, uh, but four hunters from Missouri uh, accessed a piece of public land um, that was essentially uh, landlocked isn't the right word by private land, but it was um, almost in, or not almost, but it was in a, a checkerboard shaped uh, fashion, uh, the way that the the parcels uh, were laid out. So two corners of private touched. There was two corners um, that were private land, two corners that were public land. Uh, these hunters wanted to access one of the uh, the the piece of public, uh, I guess that was inside of um, the two pieces of of private. And in order to do so, what they did was they brought a ladder to uh, this crossing, uh, put the ladder over the fence or whatever type of barrier barricade there was, climbed over the ladder, hopped into the public land, uh, and essentially. The, the case was made that they trespassed, uh, were trespassing on uh, the, the private land because they were in the airspace. Um, so there was first, and I'm going to probably have to refer back to some notes um, from time to time here. <clears throat> but there was first a, uh, not a civil, but a criminal uh, charge. Um, that the landowner brought against them, um, which the ruling was in favor of the hunters. Uh, and then it went to a civil lawsuit. And again, the, uh, the verdict was in favor of the hunters from Missouri. And this was, there was a few, <clears throat> uh, previous court cases, some precedent that was set, uh, that really helped, um, the four hunters, uh, with their, with their defense, uh, with their, with their side of the case. Gosh, I feel like I'm gonna have to use a lot of <clears throat> legal jargon and, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm out of my depths when it comes to that type of stuff. However, when you look at it and before I even knew a lot about this case, or I guess kind of the inner workings of it. I was familiar with it kind of from afar. Um, I was, you know, like a, like a lot of you who are familiar with it. I was seeing blog posts, um, you know, maybe reading some headlines from articles. Um, I would maybe hear uh, people talking about it through clips and reels and, and these types of things on social media. So I didn't know the, um, the fine details. And I remember thinking back, about you know how these these gentlemen access this land and I started thinking I was like well if if there was a fence there and they climbed the fence then I could see why the landowner would would have an issue right and when I read it and I read that they and I or let me back up and I thought to myself well what if you just used a ladder right you just you know you brought like a six, eight foot ladder, folding ladder, whatever the case is. And you just pop this thing, you know, one side of the fence, your one side of the public to the other side of the public. 
just access it that way. You, you know, I thought to myself that, well, then you're not actually touching anything. You're just, you're in the airspace. And that it turns out that that is exactly what these hunters did. Now, whether they had scouted this land previously and, and all of this information may be out there somewhere, I just haven't taken a, a deep enough dive into it to kind of hear their entire story, uh, the hunters that is. And so it, it turns out that's what they did. And the only thing that they technically were trespassing on was the airspace, uh, going back to that. And that, uh, the two different judges, uh, ruled was, you know, not a crime. And, you know, I, I, I start to think about other instances in just your day to day interactions with neighbors out in public, whatever the case is and how often we, excuse me, we quote unquote trespass by just being in the airspace, right? Like I think about my backyard and I have a fence that separates my yard from my neighbor's yard and great neighbor. But if I were to walk over there and wave my arm over the top of his fence by <laughs> the the thought process behind these landowners who were who were trying to file suit against these hunters is that I was trespassing even though I never actually stepped foot on the ground I never actually touched any of his physical property um I I would still be trespassing and I just think how foolish that is to to have that that mindset that because something or someone pass through your airspace that they are are trespassing on your land and i i think it, and again i i don't want to sound like i'm speaking out of turn too much here because again the facts i have are are relatively limited based on um a, a couple of recent articles that i i just read today so i i was trying to keep it as as top of mind as possible and that's the 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 landowner who pressed charges i mean that's essentially he did not want anyone on that piece of of public land because of you know likely the the deer the elk uh, just the wild game in general that inhabit this this area of public land and he was essentially not allowing you know people like like these four hunters an opportunity to access public land and I realize that this is, it's related to conservation because it's related to, to public land and access. And BHA had, had certainly uh, played a large part in, in helping the defense of these four, uh, four hunters, uh, you know, raising money. Uh, there was an attorney who took this case on pro bono, I do believe. Um, I believe he was a hunter as well. So this was something uh, that was likely uh, kind of near and dear to him as an outdoorsman, and I, I, I just can't understand wanting or being so selfish that you would try to restrict other hunters from accessing public land. I, 
I don't know. I guess that's that's a, it's a hard thing for me to wrap my head around because, you know, when you think about public land, I mean, it's it's everybody's. You know, like the 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 very popular shirt. You know, the public landowner um, that BHA has made so popular over the years, and I mean, I I own one as well, and it's funny sometimes. I'll be wearing that shirt and people will will read it and they kind of chuckle at it, you know, because it's it's just a, an interesting way to look at it because it is. And it's one of those things that that maybe we we take for granted um, as as outdoorsmen, as outdoors women, you know, that that public land is always going to be there. It's always going to be accessible. Um, we have certainly found out over the the course of time that that public lands and and access you know a lot of those things are under attack whether it's um development um you know the the list kind of goes on and on there um on the restrictions uh that people are trying to 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 put on our access and, and our rights to to recreate on these public lands and i think it you know the the rulings obviously were uh, a huge victory, uh, especially as it pertains to the state of Wyoming. But it it makes you wonder that why you know a landowner. Well, I mean, it doesn't make you wonder. You know why? Because he didn't want presumably anyone else to to hunt on this land that he had uh, what he thought was kind of unfettered access to, uh, even though it was public uh, in his thought or his thought process, excuse me, uh, was that since there was two pieces of, of, pub, of private bordering that, that no one had the ability to access that except for, except for himself. And it's, it's just so selfish and you're, you're limiting people's ability and opportunity to go out and, you know, see, and enjoy and and do what people love to do in terms of hunting or you know heck even if someone just wanted to backpack in there and camp or something like that like they wouldn't even be able to do that or I guess I wonder if you know the four people that were um not even charged but that that the lawsuit was brought against for trespassing what if they were hikers right what if they just wanted to explore a new piece of land would the landowner have had an issue then or is it just because they were hunters and he likely knows the, you know, the class of animals um, that live in that, in that area, in that range, um, that that's why that, that, you know, he, he had an issue with it because now someone else was going to have access to something that he felt that even though it's public land, that he was the only one that had right to, to access that. And that is a, a very dangerous uh, thought process. It's a very uh, narrow-minded and again selfish uh, thought process. And the going back to the you know the victory part of it for uh, I guess you'd say yeah the defendants. Um, what this does is it it doesn't necessarily change laws across the country. Uh, I think that's one thing that that we as hunters, uh, especially in states outside of Wyoming, uh, need to be aware of is that it does not change laws in current states. However, uh, there is some precedence out there um, now um, for 
you know, potential future cases. Um, but uh, I'm going I'm, I'm looking through an article here to try to read something. Um, sorry. So there, okay. The, what happens when the legislature comes and changes that statute next session to say corner crossing is illegal. This case is not binding upon a judge in a criminal case. It's persuasive authority, but not a binding authority. Okay, more kind of lawyer speak uh, as I'm trying to uh, quickly scan back over this uh, this article that I read. And this article was actually uh, on Meteor, so it's uh, a pretty um, easily accessible article. But I'm sure that, well, I'm going to ballpark here, but 95%, if not higher, uh, percent of people that listen to this podcast do not have uh, large swaths of, of land in the West that is potentially restricting access to public land. But I'd be curious to hear from from some of you listeners out there. Um, I mean, are we all in agreement on the, all in agreement on this that this is, you know, the the ruling was obviously a ruling that as hunters um, and outdoor recreationists that we were hoping for. Um, but if for some reason you are on the, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're on the other side of the fence, no pun intended here, uh, what, I guess, what are your, your thoughts or, or why do you look at that, um, as, uh, or why would you be on the side of the landowner in this particular case? And I don't want to necessarily pass judgment on someone who, who maybe feels that it wasn't the right ruling. Um, but I, I, I'm just curious, you know, I don't want to get into the game of the, that seems to be so popular now as if you disagree with someone, you point fingers and name call and, and those types of things. But I, I would be curious, you know, I, I know I did say that earlier on that, that, that viewpoint was selfish and and that, I mean, that, that's my opinion. That, that's how I feel. Um, but what, what say you on, on, you know, defending the landowner's point of view in this particular case? I would just be curious. Uh, I mean, you could shoot me a message. <clears throat> you can reach out to me on social media or, you know, through the Average Conservationist website. Uh, I would be I'd be more than happy just to, to kind of hear people's thoughts and, and hear why maybe they felt uh, felt differently. But I think that as time goes on, I think we're likely going to see uh, more and more of these types of cases. And one thing that I had quickly read um, talked about the fact that the layout, uh, as I referred to earlier, the kind of checkerboard pattern uh, that these uh, parcels of land uh, were in um, played a factor in that as well because I think if you know if a piece of public land is you know landlocked in a, a in the true sense where there is private land 
um, surrounding it, then, then yeah, to, to be able to physically cross over someone's private land to access that, yes, would, would indeed be trespassing. And I don't like that there's, you know, public land that is landlocked out there that is not accessible. Um, previous guest on the podcast, Jason Matzinger, um, talked about or made a film, um, about hunting on a piece of land that was only accessible essentially by helicopter. And he, he made a film about, about going on uh, a hunt like that and really great film. And it's, uh, it's interesting to me that there can be public land that, that is, you know, in essence, landlocked and landlocked, landlocked and not able to be recreated on and not able to be enjoyed by, you know, the likes of, of backpackers and, you know, fishermen and, and, and hunters and and things like that. So I, I'm curious to see that or curious to see what the future holds in terms of, you know, Montana, Colorado, Idaho, you know, Washington, these other states, um, that have, you know, a lot of public land, but also a lot of private land as well. Uh, if we're going to see more and more cases like this, how the ruling in Wyoming will affect, uh, potential rulings down the road in those states. And if we will see, I guess, kind of sweeping changes across the country, because obviously there's, uh, certain states that have a much smaller percentage of public land and, you know, how, how easily accessible is that and what, what could likely come of that in the future. So that was just um, kind of a quick synopsis of the case, a little bit about the ruling, um, a little bit of my thought on the topic. Um, yeah, that's it just it felt like it was something important um, to at least address. There was also um, you know stepping away from the corner crossings case uh, and talking about some recent legislation, uh, that was changed, uh, or that was overruled by the Supreme court. And again, this is another one that I think I would likely try to bring on a guest to talk about where it, um, a lot of protections on, uh, wetlands, um, was decreased based on this ruling. Um, I don't know if, if trying to get someone from, um, you know, uh, an organization like Trout Unlimited or something like that, who, probably has a, a much better grasp and handle, uh, on that, but I'm going to save that for another episode, uh, where someone, uh, can speak, um, a bit more, uh, eloquently, I guess about it. It has a lot more knowledge and information, um, because I would, I would not be doing that, uh, or I, excuse me, I would be doing that a great disservice, um, to try to talk about that. And that is, Obviously, uh, a ruling that that came from a much higher court, um, a much bigger impact and ramifications um, across the kind of entirety of the landscape. So that's one uh, that I think we will uh, we will save for for another episode and see how that continues to play out uh, in the coming weeks and months and uh, and go from there. So that. Uh, that is all I have for you guys this week. Um, 
hope it wasn't uh, too bad for you. Hopefully, uh, possibly you uh, learned a little bit or, you know, just wanted to hear my two cents on it. But yeah, that's it. Um, I would like to thank 2% for Conservation. Uh, And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you're going to see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where they're going to post only positive conservation-driven content that lands in your feed. So it's going to brighten up your day. Uh, So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Stay tuned next week. We will be back to uh, regularly scheduled guests. um, So you don't have to listen to me talk for half an hour. Uh, But yeah, enjoy the rest of your week. Have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. And remember that conservation starts with you.